On today's show, we'll fill you in on what Brad Treliving said regarding the William Nylander negotiations. And today we decipher whether or not the Leafs have a strong enough blue line to compete for the Stanley Cup. All that more coming up on today's edition of the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Lease podcast, a daily Maple Leaf-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano, and my co-host, Dave Morsuti. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50-plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. What's going on, Dave? You uh, happy this fine Sunday evening slash Monday morning as you just watched your Cowboys lay a beating on the Giants? It was a beating. It's it's a yearly tradition of the Cowboys. They always put the Cowboys and Jets in that uh, Cowboys and Giants in that first first game, and every year I hear the same old thing. This Giants seems going to be different. Cowboys got to watch out for them, and I'm like. Okay, <laughs> sure. Let's go with that and look what happened. Absolutely. That was just that was that was a that was a beatdown. That was embarrassing. I, I gotta say that was absolutely embarrassing. And I mean they they paid a lot of they paid their quarterback a lot of money to try and win some games. He didn't look good tonight. Daniel Jones did not look good. But anyways, enough with the football talk. Let's get into our hockey discussions today because Dave. Um, Brad Tree Living uh, had a sit down with Pierre Lebrun of The Athletic. And uh, according to Brad Tree Living, the Nylander extension is next on his to do list. So he's been able to get a couple things done. We saw Aston Matthews extension get announced earlier this month. We saw or earlier this offseason, rather. Then we saw Sheldon Keefe get his extension. And now next up is William Nylander, uh, apparently. Um, and apparently the plan is for them to speak again before training camp begins in a couple of weeks here. Kind of happy to hear that. Yeah. I mean, we've been kind of itching closer and closer, right? Kind of football NFL season starts and you just know right around the corner. NHL is not that far away. So, um, and this kind of also brings upon, you know, trying to get business tidied up, right? Like, we there's not a lot of time here and you would think that some form of uh progress would have been made at this point right with the matthews deal done okay willie let's get this one done and like just just nothing right it's almost like they hadn't really made it a point to really push the envelope on that one at all well if i based off of the conversation that we heard willie have with uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick on 32 Thoughts uh, a couple weeks ago. It sounds as though Willie's n- in no hurry to sign a deal anyways. Remember, he came out and he's like, we still have a whole year. I don't know what everyone's so concerned about. Like, I mean, it just seems like he he personally does not 
care about getting an extension done um because he thinks like oh if it gets done it'll get done and he's got an entire season to kind of figure it out or at least his agent lewis gross does uh but here's what brad true living had to say uh, about the deal um to pierre lebrun he said quote willie's a really important player and a really good player for us and we want to get him done too that's next on the list I'm not going to get into the play-by-play of it other than to say he's a very good player and you always want to keep the good players. And he's told me that he wants to be in Toronto. That's the most important thing. If there's a desire on both sides, then you should be able to come to an agreement. But these things take time. They're all on their own independent deals and they have their own ebbs and flows. Um, We'll talk prior to getting the season started and we'll see where we're at, but we still have a year. So that's what Brad Trilliving said to uh to pierre lebrun so you know he's he's right where if if it's true what nylander is saying where he wants to be here he wants to get it done you know we heard austin matthews say the same things uh at his end of year press conference and uh lo and behold they they did get something done and it turned out to be true not just saving face here so you know, hopefully there's there's some faith here, I guess, in, in Willie, even if they don't get an extension dump before the season, that if he does want to be here, then there will be a push at some point to try and uh, work out a deal then. Yeah, I, I mean, like, the, the whole idea of, uh, you know, taking time is not something any Leafs fan seems to really want to do because, like... It, I think what it is is the idea of talking about it for the whole year from like, you know, when's it going to get done? Every time Nylander's, you know, having a, let's say he goes on a, on a streak, right? What's everyone going to talk about? Ah, that contract extension just got more expensive. Or if he goes on a bad streak, I don't know if the least, like it, it's just the, the different flow ebbs and flows you're going to see if this, kind of continues right and they and they kind of here's here's what i believe though when it comes to that though like i don't think that's gonna impact nylander like i don't think he cares if people are talking to media about his contract like he he clearly doesn't even he's he's like i don't know why everyone's worried about it like it's it, it, it might get done it might not he's like we got time even through the season, if he goes on a big scoring stretch, I don't think he's going to be, you know, doing the the money signs, little money Manziel after he scores a goal and vice versa. If he goes on a slump, I don't think he's going to bring his number down and eventually, you know, just say, you know what, maybe I will sign for 8 million bucks because what if this continues? Like, I think he's more than willing to dig his heels in and, and try and get the number he wants. I don't believe that like realistically anything could be said in the media uh, to, to change his mind. And what I think here with Trilliving is like, the good thing is you, you can try to feel like you're, you're not putting pressure on yourself to get this deal done by deadline where you're kind of like, like some, some players are like, well, if you don't sign me by this point, don't even bother. I'm going to free agency. Right. Right. You see that quite often. So I guess the good thing for Brad Trilliving and the Leafs is like the Nylander is not putting them in that ultimatum. So, you can take your time and try to work out the, as best possible the deal that works out for both sides. At the same time, it's also for Bradshaw Living. He he's got a plan for the future too, right? What's what's all the other things? He's like, at some point, if they like Tyler Bertuzzi and they want to sign Tyler Bertuzzi long term, 
the Willie deal is going to impact that one way or the other. Or if he wants to go out and make, let's say he wants to go make a deal for a blue liner and that blue liner has term. He can't exactly do that without knowing what Willie's number is too, right? So the good thing is Nylander's not pressuring to get this done, but in a way, I think Brad Living also needs to have an idea of what this team's oh, outlook looks like. I think the team, it benefits the team to get this done as soon as possible. Yes. Absolutely, it does. But which is why, ultimately, I don't think Nylander, it matters to him to get it done. He's not as motivated. And ultimately, both sides need to be motivated to get a deal done. Right now, I think Nylander says, here's my number. If you're not willing to get there, let's play it out, and then we'll see. And the Leafs are clearly saying, well, we can't get to that number. Let's try and get you lower. And he's, you know, not willing to budge quite yet. We'll see what happens throughout the season. Um, I'm curious, though, Dave, like if he's unsigned by the start of the season and he goes into the season and he starts to play it out uh, in, in his contract year, do you think it's more likely that the Leafs are okay letting him walk into, you know, free agency essentially, or – if he's still unsigned by the trade deadline, do you think that that's a name that the Leafs would be, at the very least, listening on? For me, it's it depends on if this team really needs to go out and get that blue liner. Like if they need to go out and improve the defense and a team may be willing to listen on Nylander, that's maybe where I can say, you know what? We got to weigh whether having Nylander really works out long term if the blue line is an issue and you don't have many avenues to improve that now the problem is without knowing what Nylander's contract is any team trading for him is going to have an issue exactly it's like all the people saying i'll trade willie for a defender right now well you can't do that if the other team is like well what you get back in return you know is dictated by Nylander's contract if Nylander wants a deal that we don't want to sign him to it's not really going to work out, right? I will say this. I will say this. Last year when the Kachuk trade went down and they brought Huberto and Uyghur in from Florida, there were no extensions in place. That was just, you know, the the GM going, sitting down and saying, hey, look, we brought you in here. We would like to extend you. And they ultimately figured it out. Now, there is a difference between doing that midseason, doing that in the offseason. There's not, you know, not much more to worry about, obviously. Um, but it, it is possible, I suppose, that you could bring in a guy without an extension done and, you know, still end up getting that. I mean, we just saw it happen with Bo Horvat earlier this year. There was no extension in place when the trade was done. It was a midseason deal. Timo Meyer, you know, was another guy, although I believe Meyer was an RFA, so that's a bit of a different story. Yeah. Um, but Bo Horvat was a, the, the perfect example, though, of somebody yeah. who at the deadline, you know, got dealt and within a week – you know, was convinced to sign long-term there because he got what he wanted, right? So I, I think there's a blueprint at the very least, and they got, they got what, a first-round pick and a, a really good prospect out of the deal and also, like, another roster player out of the move. You know, so maybe that's a framework, and I think Nealon is a better player than Bo Horvat, so maybe you can even get a, something else uh, as well, but... You know, there is precedent for for this type of thing to, to happen. So I don't think it's necessarily, you know, completely handcuffs the Leafs if he's not willing to talk extension, not only with the Leafs during the season, 
but also like with another team, it is still possible that another team could be interested in and pony up the type of uh, price that tree living would want to, to make a deal happen should they get to that point. But I don't know. I, I, I also could totally see tree living, keeping Nylander as an own rental and then just trying in the off season to, to get something done. I mean, how many times have we seen this team give up picks and prospects and futures to go out and acquire players? I mean, this is uh, quite the player that you would be not acquiring, but keeping in house. It's not going to cost you anything. You know what I mean? It's not like, uh, like we've seen so many guys who they've gone out and they've traded for O'Reilly, Felino, you know, the list goes on and on and they've kind of just walked at the end of the year and at least had nothing to show for it. At least Nylander, you're not giving anything up for him. You're not replacing him with assets. I understand that, but at least as an own rental, you don't have to give anything up and you know that he fits and works within the system. Yeah, obviously like you're, you're in a situation here where it's, it's similar to the Gaudreau and Calgary one. Like we, we brought that up in the past, right? It's like, you're a better team when you have Johnny Gaudreau on there and you know, to say all oh, this trade him just because his contract status, like the Leafs are in a win now mode. They're not in a, they're not worrying too much about, you know, two years down the road, right? They are eventually, but right now the, the whole point is let's try to win this season. Having William Nylander gives you that best chance right now. Now else might be a good time to remind the good folks listening to this program that, uh, Johnny Goudreau and William Nylander share the same agent, Louis Gross. So we have been down this road before with this agent when it comes to Brad Trilliving and his dealings with star players uh, in their contract year. But hopefully, you know, things are different and Trilliving's learned from those mistakes and they can get something done uh, with Bill Nye, the Rashad guy, Willie Styles. Um, all right. On the other side, Dave, I want to get into a chat about the least blue line. I heard uh, Ray Ferraro was on overdrive last week and he was talking about how he just doesn't believe that this blue line can compete with some of the other studded blue lines around the NHL to compete for a Stanley cup. Why don't we take a look and, you know, maybe see if that's true. We'll take a look and kind of rank where the Leafs decor um, may stack up against some of the other best teams uh, within the NHL. So we'll do that on the other side. We'll get some news and notes as well. But before we get into any of that, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors, and it's a new sponsor. It's Jace Medical. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use. All it takes to get a Jace case is fill out a simple online form, and in some cases, jump on a quick call with one of our board-certified physicians. Get ongoing care from our physicians on any treatment-related questions. And uh, with storms, shortages, pandemics, reliance on China, and supply chain issues, we need to be prepared now more than ever. Jace Medical is simple. You go online, fill out a form, and then you get the prescription life-saving medications right to your door. The Jace case gives you peace of mind so that you're not just hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace case makes sure you have the medication in hand. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code locked on at checkout as uh, on jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. Welcome back into the Locked On Lease podcast. I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morissuti. 
Uh, we are a daily Maple Leaf centric podcast. You can find us uh, audio wise wherever you get your podcasts from. We're also up on YouTube each and every day, providing you the latest in Maple Leafs content. So if you're looking to stay uh, locked into what's going on with the Maple Leafs all season long, make sure you are subscribed to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Uh, speaking of the Leafs and being locked in, I was locked into uh, a Ray Ferraro interview on Overdrive last week, and he was having a conversation with the boys uh, regarding the Maple Leafs blue line, and he is of the opinion that the Maple Leafs cannot win a Stanley Cup with the D constituted as is. Just as a blanket statement, Dave, do you do you agree or disagree with that? I mean, it's so tough because we haven't seen what this blue line looks like with Klingberg in the mix, but like I'm not overly confident that this blue line, when you look at some like the teams that have won the last few years, like I'm not betting my chips that this is a blue line that's uber competitive and like gonna make the plays that are need to be made in the playoffs, right? Like we saw Morgan Riley finally pick things up in the playoffs, but like that that alone wasn't enough, right? Like he was kind of the only one making those <laughs> making those big plays. Other than him, like it was really hard to trust some of the blue liners that they had. And then they're like, okay, the only real upgrade we're gonna make is John Klingberg. To me, I, I I saw what Vegas did. That's a, that was a blue line that you just did not want to go up against any night in the playoffs. I look at even Colorado a few years ago, and you had Kale McCarr. Like Kale McCarr is a good defenseman, and then you look at the other pieces that Colorado had when they added Josh Manson, they had uh, you know the uh, the and just all like top to bottom. Like there weren't many weaknesses. You could say with the Leafs, there's not only weaknesses, but there's question marks, right? Big and, question marks. I mean, like Mike pulled it up right here. You know, like Jake McKay, that that move was a shrewd move because you get a t- guy who can play in your top four and do it in a you know pretty cheap. TJ Brody took a step back. Can he? I think they're betting big on TJ Brody bouncing back this year. Yeah, you know, especially in the playoffs. Jordano, his age showed especially later in the year. And yep. I think right now the biggest question mark is Timothy Lilligren, right? Like, I like Timothy Lilligren. I think he's a great defenseman. But there are moments where you can – the inexperience showed up. Yeah. Especially in the playoffs. And, and you can see that Sheldon Keefe's confidence with Timothy Lilligren just wasn't there at times. And I think it impacted his game a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, he's a guy who, you know, it wasn't a, a guarantee, a lock each and every night in the postseason for the last two years. So, you know, that goes to to show enough, I think, as to, you know, how much or how little, um, you know, faith maybe Keith does have in Lilligren. Now, that being said, he's still a relatively young defenseman. You know, they say that defensemen don't really – you can't really tell what they are until they're about 300 games into their career. Timothy Lilligren is only probably half that at this point. So he's got, you know, some more development uh, in his game and hopefully he can continue to do that if he's put in the right role, which, you know, I think third pair is the right role for him. And if Mark Giordano can, you know, play enough games here this season, and if he can play, you know, at a high enough level 
that he is also a respectable third pair defenseman this year. And, you know, the, the boots aren't completely gone on him. Um, you know, I think that could be a formidable third pair through the regular season. It's just the playoffs is, is where you really do question if this blue line, I think, is is good enough. Like, can they sleepwalk with this blue line to even a divisional crown? I think they can. Uh, ultimately, this is a team that's predicated on offense, and, and, and they don't mind having to outscore teams, you know, 6-4, 5-3, you know, some nights. So, you know, we're going to see that, but we know that's not how things are played come playoff time you got to be tough you got to be physical uh and specifically your blue liners need to be that and outside of jake mccabe they don't really have a physical presence on the blue line right like morgan riley he's not i wouldn't call him physical like can he can you get under his skin and does he compete hard and play hard sure but he's not necessarily physical tj brody same thing not physical um, you know, you're not going to get out of Klingberg, you know, Geo, yeah, not a whole lot. We've seen Lilligren lay a couple of hits, I suppose. But outside of Jake McCabe, there's not a whole lot there. And, you know, when you go and look at the teams who made it far in the playoffs the last couple of years, they've got D-men with size and physicality. Like, look at Vegas last year. Up and down that lineup, they had big, strong defensemen who could skate as well. Like, big, strong, and fast. And uh, that's really what I think cost, uh, you know makes a successful blue line in today's NHL. And I'm not sold that the Maple Leafs really do have that makeup. I, I think I agree with Ferraro. I think there's going to have to be an upgrade of some kind um, here to this blue line if they really want to take a, a step and compete for a cup. No, I, I think so as well, right? And... Depend and for me, it's the right side. Like you look at this right side, it's Brody Kling. As and you pulled up the chart here from uh, Daily Faceoff on what the pairings likely open the season as, and it's Brody Klingberg and Lilligren on the right side. I think this is I, why. Go ahead. I might add that I don't even know if this is. I don't what, think. That, yeah, we can. We might see either. Like I, I, I honestly do not know if McCabe and Klingberg will work together, that's going to be interesting to, to see. But then like, do you, what are you going to do? Put Lilligren in your top four? Or are you going to take Brody away from Riley again? Like it, it does kind of get convoluted if, uh, if it's, you know, not McCabe and Klingberg. So it is interesting, but that's a conversation we can have uh, yeah. closer to, uh, to the season, I suppose. Yeah. yeah I think the big, I think the big one here is how that top four shakes out. Right. Like we know that Marcher Dano stapled on that third pairing, you know, kind of the interchangeable guy. Other than that, like I, I, I think Morgan Riley, you're you're going, you're paying him as your top defenseman. He's going to be taking that top spot. So those two spots to me seem like a lock. Everything else seems like a big toss up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting to see kind of how the season plays out, how these pairings or how this. Uh, six-man group, I guess seven if you include maybe Simo Benoit ends up, um, you know, making the team as a seventh defenseman. It'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out there or, or if they do, do make an addition of some kind before the season starts or make an addition at some point throughout the season to try and, and make that blue line just a, a little bit better because I, I do think that they certainly need an upgrade of some kind. 
All right, Dave, why don't we take one more quick break? When we get back, let's get to some news and notes from around the league. Looks like there may be an official date for the NHL trade deadline this year. We also had uh, a couple of uh, deals get signed over the course of the last few days and a couple of pending or I guess current RFAs still without deals, which is a couple of weeks to camp. So we'll chat about that as well. Uh, I'm Mike DiStefano with Dave Morris Studio. Listen to the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Welcome back into the Lockdown Leafs podcast. It's Mike DiStefano and Dave Morissuti. Uh, let's get to some news and notes from around the NHL. Um, I saw a tweet the other day from Pierre Lebrun. Uh, he, he's, he's back at work, you know, he put out the piece for the athletic and now he's, you know, dropping some news nuggets, uh, about the league. And, uh, he was saying that it sounds like the NHL is going to make it official pretty soon here that the trade deadline will be on March 8th, March 8th looks like the, uh, the date of the trade deadline. So it's about a week later than it was this year. I think this year is what the second or third or something like that. So just under over, just under a week uh, later, I was taking a look at the Leaf schedule. They don't play on March eighth, so they are off on the actual deadline day. And uh, but they will be on the road. So they got a game the night before against Boston, and a game uh, the night after against the Montreal Canadiens. So we'll see. Should be an interesting, uh, interesting time for the Maple Leafs. I would imagine. They'll be busy making some additions like they have been over the course of the last uh, few years, I I would think. Uh, Any comment on that? Well, I can plan scheduling around that now, (laughs) right? Yeah, there you go. (laughs) If Usually, if you're planning uh, to do uh, in this industry, if you're planning to do things around, you know, personal life, you do it around the big sporting events. Yes. Great deadline is one of them. Yeah, March 8th. You're not going on vacation. I will not be going on vacation on March 8th. The week after, maybe, but not March 8th. <laughs> yeah, um, trade deadline, all that hoopla passes. Fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Jake Sanderson, Ottawa Senators defenseman, uh, he got paid last week an eight year extension, $8.05 million. Um, did this number surprise you at all, Dave, for a guy who's played? less than a hundred games in his career getting an eight times eight deal. It was. And like, I understand. I, and I, I literally, the first thing I did when I saw that signing was I listened to locked on senators to get their thoughts on it because they watched Jake Anderson play a lot more than we do. And I can understand like there, there, there's things that they see that say that this guy can get there, right? Where they drafted him, how he, how his, the role that he plays. But the same point is like you weren't in a huge rush to get this deal done right now. Like the guy you could you could take some time and watch him play 20, 30, 40 games this year, have an idea of what your contract's gonna look like, and then make the deal. It would look a lot better if you did it that way versus yeah, 77 games, let's get this locked in now. I guess the center just felt like we're just going to do it. We're, we know what we we know what we believe in this guy. We're just going to get get it done. I admire them for it because now, you know, if Jake Sanderson surpasses that value, it looks great. It's also a gamble a lot of these teams take where they sign him to these eight year deals, and then 
if something doesn't work out, you are locked in. Like nothing, like you can't get yourself out of that deal. Well, that's not necessarily true. They did get out of the column white deal because when you sign a contract like this under the age of is 25, 20, 23, 25 or something like that. Um, the buyout, you only have to actually pay out a third of the buyout as opposed to two thirds of it. So it is cheaper. So like you can get out of it, but yes, it's, it's not ideal. Uh, I definitely will, uh, will agree with you on that one. I, I, I don't hate it. Like to me, I think they look at it and, and they already know like Jake Sanderson is going to be a stud defenseman. They already know why bother prolonging this. Let's get this, let's get this contract done, done with. Something that I found interesting about this deal, though, is there's rumors that Pierre Dorian could be out the door when Michael Anlauer um, officially takes over ownership uh, of the Ottawa Senators, which is expected to happen in the next week or so. And he may be bringing in his own guy. Uh, and if that is the case, I can't remember who. Um, it's the guy from the Hamilton Bulldogs. What am I blanking on the name here? Steve Steos. Steve Steos, yes. Steve Steos reportedly is is his guy, right? Um, whether that means that he's going to move on from Dorian, I I don't know, but I wonder if that were to be the plan, would Dorian have been able to make this this deal? Like probably not, and not not because ownership might not want to make the deal, but because this could be an easy you know, win for the new guy. If you just hold off announcing this for a few weeks and then you get the new guy in, if that is the plan. And then it's like, Oh, look at the new guy coming in, making, you know, some big deals early on. So I almost wonder like, what did this tell me? It told me more maybe about the organization and that maybe Pierre Dorian is a little bit more safe than, you know, we originally thought. Um, Cause th- there's been a lot of noise about, Steos taking over for Dorian once Ann Lauer gets the team. And I, I, the first thing that popped through my mind when I saw this deal come through was, Hmm, would this be, you know, would this deal have happened if they were going to be going into that route? I'm, I'm not so sure. Yeah. And with, with Dorian, it's, it's, you want a bit of a legacy too, or, you know, your next job potentially, right. If he's not sticking around in any capacity, you want something to show the employer to say, Hey, look what I built in Ottawa. Look at that core that I put together. It, it bodes well for future prospects in that regard. And I, like we know in, 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 in NHL circles, once a guy leaves, it's always the guy it's when another opening happens, Dorian's name, if he's out there, will be one of the mentioned in terms of uh, the next hire, right? Yeah. It's, the NHL circles are like that. Uh, so I, I do think there's a little bit of that too. You know, maybe maybe there's good a good rapport with the owner and he says, go ahead, get the deal done. If you feel like you can lock this core up and we can put as much support behind this core, let's get it done now. So, I mean... I, I and I know a lot of Senators fans have been pointing out like look how much of that core is signed and you'll have to you know they well, get yeah. a really good run. They've now got Stutzla, Kachuk, Norris, Sanderson. and Sanderson now all locked up long term. 
There's one more guy, though, that they do got to get locked up who is currently sitting without a deal as an RFA, and that's Shane Pinto. Yep. Pinto does not have a deal yet, so I'll be curious to see. Maybe that is the one where if they do bring in a new GM – or regardless, whatever happens, like they got to get a deal done with this guy before the season starts. You don't want to go into the season without uh, without Shane Pinto, who's already missed a lot of time with injury. He doesn't need to be missing any more time with a contract stalemate. And to be honest, I don't think Pinto is one of those guys that they're going to go like an eight-year, six-year deal long. Like the injury history of Shane Pinto, to me, probably streams bridge get this guy around, you know, four-ish million dollars on a two-year deal, and then you go from there. You know, pay him if he, you know, has a, a monstrous season uh, in the next couple of years. But that's an interesting deal. And But the more interesting RFA contract that is yet to be signed, who, as of now, you know, won't be playing this year if he doesn't get one done, Trevor Zegers has yet to sign an extension. That's a, that's a concerning thing if you're a Ducks fan isn't it it is especially with Trevor Zegers being kind of a different mold from a lot of other you know young players maybe that a lot of these GMs have seen right he's he's a very flashy guy we know that we know that he's he's probably and Anaheim's future is kind of like all right who are we really putting our all the eggs behind right you know you, you just drafted Leo Carlson he, he should be, you know, maybe front and center. Like they, they have so many young players there. But Trevor Zegers is the, it's such an exciting player to watch. You know, we've seen what he's done since he's entered the league. I, I kind of make, I, I kind of wonder if this is just Anaheim trying to make sure that, you know, Zegers isn't trying to run before he walks in a certain way, right? Like. He's such a good player, but is he of that caliber of some of the other guys that have gone these long-term deals? Can I say something that might be considered a tad controversial? Uh-oh. I think Trevor Zegers is one of the more overrated players in the NHL. Oh, overrated. I think, I think Trevor Zegers got so much pub when he – wasn't even his goal. It was his assist. Realistically, it was Sonny Milano's goal, but the the Zegers oh. goal is it's always been coined as. And look, he's a personality, and I get it. And he's a lot of fun, and the league needs that. So I think the league, in a way, like it's smart. They're somewhat marketing him as like a star in this league or an up and coming star in this league. I mean, don't get me wrong. He's a good player. You know, not a lot of players uh, at 22 years old can you know put up back-to-back 60-plus point seasons, you know, as a 21, 22-year-old. So he he is a good player, don't get me wrong. But for me, he, he's not necessarily in the, the star tier of some of your other guys. Like, like William, I don't think he's anywhere close to, to William Nylander. Like, I, I, I don't think that he's in that realm. I think he's, like, a notch below. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So for me, um, I think that, Trevor Zegers probably thinks he is in that echelon where he's looking at like the money that uh, that Timo Meyer got this summer and he's thinking, hey, I'm I'm probably in that realm. Um, or maybe he's looking, he's saying, Hey, I want more than what Troy Terry got. Troy Terry had 35 goals. Trevor Zegers career high is only 23. Yeah. So I'm not saying that Zegers isn't worth 
you know, that type of money. I think Troy Terry was a little overpaid, to be honest with you as well. Um, but I don't think he's someone who's in that $8 million range just yet. Uh, I think that he's someone too. I might try and wait a, a little bit, maybe sign him to a two, three year deal in the, you know, five ish million range and see if he you know, turns into a superstar. Um, but right now I, I think he's a little overrated and I don't think that his uh, skill set really should garner him north of the, you know, six, seven, eight million that some of these other guys are getting right now. Uh, and, and that's probably why a contract hasn't been done. Like he believes he's worth that. He's a pretty, you know, pretty uh, uh, boastful cat, I guess we'll we'll call him. I think he's very um, not cocky. What's uh, confident? He's very confident. So I could see him thinking that he's worth that type of money, but I just don't see it. And, and I think that's why there's a bit of a disconnect and probably why he hasn't signed yet. There's just, I think, too big of a, a difference in what he thinks he is and what they think he is. And we'll see if they can end up finding a, a happy medium at some point prior to training camp. Because even if he's not a superstar, like like he's still a good player and, and clearly makes the Ducks a better team. Um, so we'll see where that goes. What I'll say, too, is, you look, and I mentioned the future. Like Mason McTavish and Leo Carlson are the future of that team. Like Trevor, you putting Trevor Zegers below those two in terms of? Uh, I don't, I don't. I mean, I don't know if that's true. Like you think Mason McTavish wouldn't be a better player down the road than Trevor Zegers? I think they're on par with each other. I think Leo Carlson might be a better player, but I think. <laughs> Zegers and McTavish are kind of on par. Okay, so there's also one other player we haven't even talked about, and that's Jamie Drysdale. And he's the one that needs a new contract, too. Like, Anaheim has a boatload of cap space, but they got a lot of young players, and eventually those young players, with the way the league is going, want to get paid, and not just get paid, but get paid for now we're seeing some want the short-term deals like the Matthews, and some want the eight-year deals like a Jake Sanderson, right? And I think that's what makes it tough for a lot of teams, especially Anaheim, where you know players like to play in California. Some players don't. Like it's that's something that Anaheim has to deal with. And Anaheim is going to be in this. Re, you know, they're still going to be a team transitioning. Like, I think they're going to. I don't know how much better they're going to be this year. I think they were pretty brutal last year. But at some point, you have to say who who are we like who is the who are the guys we're hitching our chain to? Is it a Trevor Zegers or is it other guys? I think Drysdale and Carlson likely are the two guys, the two pillars. And then you got your McTavish, you got your Zegers, Troy Terry, and other guys around that. What what is also interesting though is Zegers will sell you jerseys, right? Of course. So they, they may value him a little bit more because of that as well, right? Not just the on-ice talent, but what he can do for ticket sales, ultimately. Uh, it is entertainment at the end of the day. So that could be a, a reason for why he is. Like, I still think Zegers is, is part of this team's core. Don't get me wrong. I just don't know if I'd be willing to give this guy, like, a Jake Sanderson, you know, contract just yet. I think I'd want to see just a little bit more out of him. Just a little bit more. This um, this screams to me a bridge situation. Like I mean, if you're Anaheim, 
Like I know the the Ducks have been terrible the last two seasons, yeah. and I get that. I know plus minus isn't the greatest stat, but like the guy's minus forty five through the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. Dash forty five. You know what I mean? Like he may be flashing the offensive end, but he he's he's getting cooked off and um, on his own end. So i would i would be a little hesitant to give this guy long-term max dollar deal that's all i'm saying yeah and and this may be what anaheim's trying to tell him potentially like we're we're not ready to commit that long term because we need to see you be able to do it on both both sides they gotta establish that kind of yes it's good to have the flashiness they you know it's fun it's different it's led to some pretty goals and and you know good production, but it's also not enough to say, "Hey, we're gonna hand you." What do you think he's asking? Eight million a year? I mean, I think he sees everyone else making that type of money. I think he sees what Troy Terry got, and I think he views himself in mm-hmm. maybe a tier above that in terms of like being younger and like being a core member, and maybe that is what he's asking for between. I, I would imagine at least seven, between seven and eight, he's, I, think, I believe, is what his ask would be. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, obviously. Right. I just That's what everyone else seems to be getting paid, and I think he believes he's part of that echelon. Uh, I could be wrong, but we'll see uh, We'll see where that goes. Really quickly before we get out of here, Dave, just want to say uh, congratulations to Andrew Latt, who calls it a career after 16 seasons in the NHL. Played 1,001 NHL games, split with the Hurricanes, the Hawks, the Jets, the Islanders, and then finished up his career this year with the Coyotes, uh, totaling 550 points throughout his career, picking up a couple of Stanley Cups as well uh, with the Hurricanes and the Blackhawks. So congrats to uh, to Andrew Ladd. Great career. He was a solid player. And uh, good luck in uh, retirement, post-hockey life. All right, Dave, that'll do it for us here today on the podcast. To thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs podcast on all podcast platforms. You receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morissuti and follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. Uh, we'll be back with another episode for you guys on Wednesday. We're going to be teeing up the Prospects Tournament which begins in Traverse City on Thursday. So Wednesday, we'll be teeing that up for you guys. So make sure that you are subscribed so that you can uh, be notified when we put out that episode. Until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leaves.